this something that genuinely frightens you or is this something that more excites you at this point where we're at the stage where we are putting implants into monkeys' brains, watching them play video games telepathically and, and going from there? Obviously, that's not the end game. We're not trying yeah. to create well, an it, army of simian e-sport champions. Uh, you say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah, hey. Please invest in my new startup, armyofsimianesportchampions.com. <laughs> and you are listening to the latest episode of your third favourite above average but infinitely curious podcast dined out and my days are we venturing into some infinitely curious territory this week yeah we are going to be diving into a subject that has so much potential for amazing stuff amazing greatness (laughs) I was going to say do you know what yeah sure why not it has the potential for amazing greatness but it also has the potential for absolute terror Yeah, before we dive headfirst into the colossal pros and cons of digital monkey tennis, as it were, this is the part of the show where I emphatically implore you to go and listen to last week's episode if you haven't, for whatever reason, done so already. And really, let's be honest, there's no excuse. What are you doing? What are you doing where you're too busy to go and listen to an amazing conversation, which is exactly what you'll get if you go back and listen to last week's episode. Not just a fantastic way to kickstart a brand new season but a fantastic conversation, period. Last week, I had the absolute pleasure to sit down and talk with Mr. Jeremy Carberry, creator, presenter, producer, host, all-round mastermind of the Teeth podcast. Jeremy absolutely graciously lent me some of his time to talk pretty in-depth about some of his animal attack survival stories. Yeah, plural. And about the podcast that he's put together, the Teeth Podcast, which details other people's animal attack survival stories. We are talking some pretty wild stuff here, guys. Sharks, squids, bears, and even whales. Yeah, whales. Anyway, this week, let's get into it and let's not bury the lead. Recently, you may have seen this, and hopefully you have. If you haven't, then you definitely need to, and I will throw it up in the show notes at dimed-out.com. You can go check it out in the episode notes for this But recently, back in April, Elon Musk's tech company, I mean, it's Elon Musk and it's a bunch of other investors as well, I should mention that. His company, their company, as it were, Neuralink, put out a video which showed a macaque monkey playing a video game with its mind. Yeah. If you are new to this, and ideally you are, ideally this is kind of flown beneath your radar and this is your introduction to it. But yeah, if you are new to this, those are things that actually happened. So, the video, yeah, it's it's something that, since seeing it, has really, really stuck with me. And I think not only just because it's, it's a really incredible, fascinating feat of technological advancement, but it's one that comes with so many ethical questions and such a grey area, and a real sense of genuine fear. I won't lie, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not overly worried. This is not me beginning to sort of build a bunker in my backyard for the inevitable usurping of the human race by our simian overlords. Although to be fair, that may be something I wanna consider at some point. But right now, 
I'm alright. My main concerns actually come from what we as humans are going to be doing with this technology. I'm not so much frightened about the monkey thing. It's not like I've watched this and I've seen it and gone, oh, okay, so the monkey can master the basics of Pong. Next thing you know, it's going to be just absolutely beast in Dark Souls. And then from there, it's going to be taking over everything. Yeah, I'm not at the stage where I'm waking up in a cold sweat with nightmarish visions of humans just huddling under bridges, lighting sort of oil drum fires to keep themselves warm and maintain the resistance whilst monkeys run riot through empty shopping malls. No, I'm not at that point yet. No, my concern is with the implication of of what we as humans could possibly do with such advanced technology, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. We'll get there in just a few moments. For now, let's pull it back and let's actually look at the video itself for a moment. So, six weeks before the video was shot, the monkey featured in the video, which is called Pager, by the way, he's a nine-year-old macaque, he had two brain implants put on either side of his brain, and the implants would include more than 2,000 electrodes that monitored the electrical activity in Pager's motor cortex, which is the part of your brain which basically controls movement. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory by the name, but it's always good to kind of know exactly what we're dealing with here. So he's had his implants in and they're monitoring what he's doing, which in this case is playing a sort of very rudimental video game. It's been referred to as Pong and it it's not exactly Pong, not to be a bit too nitpicky, but it basically follows a sort of similar principle. He's basically moving a cursor with a joystick into a coloured square and the square changes direction and he's just basically got to move the cursor into the square and as a reward to keep him going as an incentive for him to put the cursor in the square he's been given a very tasty banana smoothie through a tube so essentially he's living a lot of people's wildest dreams their their finest most prolific fantasies of just being able to play video games uninterrupted and being fed without having to do anything but back to a more serious note, as Pager is moving the cursor with the joystick and, and putting it in the coloured square, he's getting his tasty smoothie. The implants are calibrating whilst they're monitoring his brain activity. So essentially when enough information has been monitored, when he's moved the cursor into the square enough time and they kind of have got enough information calibrated and registered to be like, oh, that's that's the function that occurs. That's the readouts that we get when he goes upper left, lower right, dead centre, etc then they unplug the joystick so it's not connected to the console, to the computer anymore, and Pager continues to play the game with his mind. Yeah. Now, what I've given you there is pretty much a bare-bones, basic bitch science explanation as to what it is that they've done. It is obviously much more dense, much more complicated, but the level of neuroscience and digital replication is way beyond my understanding. Regardless of my technical definition and analytical uh, sort of understanding, this is, it's amazing. But it leaves a number of questions. A number of questions. One of the first for a lot of people since this video emerged is, what or who exactly is Neuralink and what is it that they are planning to achieve? What is it that they are hoping to achieve with these experiments and this forward pushing technology? And we're going to take a little bit of a closer look at that. So, as I mentioned earlier, Elon Musk is very much attached to Neuralink. He and a bunch of other investors back in 2016 founded the company Neuralink. He is the CEO of the company, I believe, and an individual by the name of Max Hodeck is the current serving president. And within their sort of infrastructure, they have hired several high-profile neuroscientists from various universities since uh, their founding in 2016. 
essentially what Neuralink is in a very vague straightforward again basic bitch science nutshell is a neurotechnology company which is basically developing something that I refer to as BMIs and that is implantable brain machine interfaces which again is kind of straightforward does exactly what it says on the tin or in this case what it does inside of the tin that's the aim from what I can see and from what I found out it seems that Neuralink as a company's kind of been a little bit secretive about a lot of their work and dealings uh, for the most part, but in April 2017, they did announce essentially that what they were doing was aiming to make devices that would help to treat serious brain diseases such as Alzheimer's and dementia. Since then, there's also been talk of implants working towards combating things like hearing loss, depression, insomnia, and even spinal cord injuries. In fact, again, to go back to Elon Musk's Twitter feed, he recently tweeted that the first Neuralink product will enable someone with paralysis to use a smartphone with their mind faster than someone using their thumbs. So they're covering a lot of bases here with their intentions and their aims, and you could say really quite unequivocally that their hearts are very much in the right places. Really, truly, you could. I mean, you look at their aims and their objectives and the, the ideas that they're going for here, you can say without a doubt that on the surface, and we're going to kind of dive into that in a little bit, that on the surface, their aim is true. Now, admittedly, we have actually seen BMIs in action before, most notably with a fella called Eric Sorter. Eric Sorter had his brain connected to a robotic hand, and with his brain, he was able to move that hand, which that in itself is amazing. What an amazing leap forward in terms of technological development, but also in terms of human empowerment, and an amazing move forward in our evolution. Whether or not you agree with ideas of transhumanism or not, that is an amazing step forward in so many areas. What brings it back down to a very base level, though, what brings it down to a very typical human level is what Eric actually did with his hand, and that is to drink a beer. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I imagine that sense of independence, that sense of freedom, that sense of I can do this again for myself must have been absolutely euphoric for Eric. But I just love the fact that we make such advances in technology and uh, what we do with it is... Uh, <laughs> it's just another excuse to crack open a cold one. But regardless of it being done before, regardless of, of BMI's not exactly being a new novel thing, what we've seen with the pager video is nothing short of remarkable and kind of ingenious, and I'll be honest, a little bit terrifying. Especially when you think that in July 2019, Neuralink received $150 million in funding, and that was before they had shown anything off. Now that they've shown the pager video, you can only imagine that they've received more funding, which means more research and development, which means uh, the ideas that they have are going to be pushed forward faster. Like I said, there is talk about human trials starting this year, and if they have received more funding based on the back of the pager video, you can bet that is going to be even closer to an actuality than it was beforehand. The mechanics of this and the overall spectrum of this particular topic is so vast and so multifaceted that really it's not an episode that I could be or should really be doing by myself because let's be honest guys I'm not exactly the most qualified person to spearhead an entire episode based on this topic and given the sheer spectrum again of the, the the topic at hand given the variables in question given the very nature of what we're talking about here and the sort of depth that it has it really does lend itself to conversation so that's what I wanted to open it up into 
And when I first started thinking of doing this as an episode, immediately one person came to mind. So, alongside being a fellow curious mind, Chris is first and foremost to this show the person who introduced me to Brad, who you may remember featured in Season 2, Episode 11, one of my all-time personal favourites. I know I'm not supposed to have favourites. We're not supposed to, but we do. It's a little bit of inside trade in there. We do have favourite episodes. Anyway, Chris introduced me to Brad. I got to sit down with Brad. He taught me about Dungeons & Dragons, some of the basics. He told me more to the point about his experience with the game, what it's meant to him, and what effect it's had on his life. And in doing so, I got to know Brad, I got to know Chris, and I have got to play D&D quite a bit, which has actually become a regular thing alongside Chris, and has become a genuine joy. Just a lot of fun. But keeping things on track, Chris is also a very integral part to the Beyond Binary Thinking podcast, a great show which I highly, highly recommend you check out. What they do over there, in a nutshell, is they take a lot of big topical subjects, things that are integral, things that are important, things that are very much a part of social fabric and the zeitgeist of humanity as we know it at the moment, and even in the near future. They take these topics and they don't just look at the hard polar opposites, They explore the space between. So yeah, taking into account Chris's curious and knowledgeable mind and the work that he's done with Beyond Binary Thinking, I thought, this is the guy. This is who I want to talk to about monkeys, brain implants, merging humanity with technology, and all of the things that come with it. So yeah, without further ado, without any further waffling, this is me talking to Chris Cook about all of those things and some other stuff. So now we're going to talk. I want, I want to talk yeah. to you about uh, digital transformation of the mind and soul and what it's wow. going to do for humanity. I think Elon Musk and his Neuralink is fun. Uh, Elon Musk, everyone loves the celebrity and he, he's a, does a very good job at raising a lot of money and, and, and does some amazing oh, things. But just the fact that they struggled to get people to wear Google Glass leads me to believe that it might yeah. be a hard selling point to get people <laughs> yeah. to drill a hole in their head. <laughs> Yeah, that's the point. That's something I had completely forgotten about, which is a real testament to just how quick that thing came and went. How, how many times do you wear those 3D TV sunglasses everyone used to have? Ne- like, you tried it a couple of times and be like, should we just watch normal TV? Yeah. yeah. So, no, you're not going to get a hole drilled in your head anytime soon. But there are really exciting things happening in this field, starting Absolutely. with what's already happening, and it's a lot less invasive. So we're already seeing things like, for 400 euros, you could... Uh, have a little non-invasive thing you wear on your head that could mean you could open doors or put the blinds up and down with with the power of thought alone, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool, pretty exciting. Um, yeah. But much more important is like the the next few steps. So they're starting to stop people with tremors. They can disrupt the, the, those signals, uh, likewise with like nervous tics or stammers, uh, stuttering. Mm. Uh, Tourette's um, there's been good progress there with electronic wearables so that's amazing uh, soon expect similar things with like epilepsy that would be the next logical step for sure but in, in the medical field the advances it, it's been so long seeming like why isn't it there yet and it's because they have to do so much research and testing mm-hmm. and false hopes and dead ends but I think right. we're about we're on the cusp of something truly amazing where you're going to see like the blind have their sight restored um, yeah well I've, I've, I've read into that a little but the idea of bionic eyes and being able to kind of reconnect through through neural pathways. Yeah, I think there already is a hearing aid, right? That, that yeah, uh, it no longer is just about turning up the volume, but actually connects to the brain. And that's right. Yeah. 
sends a signal. So it, it really is a very exciting new world. And when you get paraplegics starting to be able to move robotic arms with, with the power of their mind only, it's super exciting. Oh, the possibilities of this thing are, are amazing. Like the, the way in which we could go from one place to somewhere that was just inconceivable is amazing. But it's also terrifying. Well, like for me, <laughs> for me, it's terrifying because I, I love the implication of, of and the intent is ace. You know, the idea of being able to sort of really push forward and, and kind of pull people from certain spaces into new areas and help people in a major shifting way is great. But it's just like, oh, should should we? Yeah, well, if you think too many steps ahead, uh, it always yeah. is terrifying. But uh, this is how uh, technology advances by a thousand really mundane minor mm-hmm. things. So the ne- next thing you'll have is a little wearable cap in your car, which increases your reaction time to braking okay. when you need to. That I'm all about because the amount of shit drivers out there. Yeah, and you know it's a common problem, right? Like between seeing a hazard and your brain right. recognizing it and your foot touching on the brake, that's quite sure. a delay. And when you're moving at 70 miles an hour, that's a lot mm-hmm. of distance covered. Um, so it'll start off just as a, here's a cool thing you might want to, here's a thing that if you wear, your insurance will be halved to, here's a thing you have to do now. Right, do you do you feel like that we're going to get to that point? I mean, again, we're kind of going back to the... Oh, idea. inevitably and soon. And here's my supposition to you. We are already at that point. People just don't realize it yet. So obviously, anytime you try and register on a new website, you know that capture form. Yes. Do you know what that is and why we're doing it? <laughs> no, on the service, it's just to prove that I am a human, right? Yeah, no, they don't give a shit. <laughs> like, why, why do they care if robots are on their website? That's not the problem. What you're doing is you're working for free. Have you never thought it's strange that you're having to identify traffic lights, buses, bicycles from low quality images? It is a bit weird, yeah. Right, so here's the genius, and I love sharing this with people. All right, I can see, I can just see the glee, like you're about to blow my mind, I'm ready. Yeah, man. All of these self-driving cars driving around are taking those photos and saying, we're 98% sure this is a bicycle. We're 98% sure this is traffic lights, and they need us to check it. No. So, yes, the whole capture system. The websites don't care if you're a robot or not. What they're doing is like crowdsourcing a bunch of people to give feedback to the robot AI so it can improve. So we're having our knowledge of what a traffic light is. We're working for free for the the AI self-driving car industry. That's what it's all about. (laughs) So that's my point is that we are already living in symbiosis with AI self-driving cars. They just haven't told us. (laughs) Just keeping it on the down low. That that's sneaky. That is genuinely kind of mind blowing. It is, yeah. It's funny because I, I have at times wondered why it is low res pictures and specifically of traffic based things. But yeah, now you framed it in <laughs> yeah. that very clear light. Yeah, and wow. they will then go to Congress and say, uh, we, "We know that these cars are uh, safe." Because that has been confirmed by 150,000 people that verified oh, their decisions. God. Look at the data. <laughs> No, just uh, unknowingly, we're speeding up the process. Yeah, whether you like it or not, yeah. it is happening. <laughs> and, and as he's... I say, it's, it'll often be a synthesis. Self-driving cars are a hard sell, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Um, because cars crash and kill people. Yeah. And even if self-driving cars killed 5% of the people that humans did, you still then have to have a CEO go in front, because like, the person that makes Ford isn't responsible for all Ford crashes. Right. 
But the person that makes the first self-driving car will have to go up and give a press conference and say, I'm very sorry, this is a tragedy, but statistically, it's an acceptable loss given the comparison of human drivers. No one wants to do that. So what they'll do first is this interlink, right? Like, oh, it's just helping with your reaction times. And then, like, instead of just doing the capture forms, you will constantly be giving the AI feedback on what you perceive to be a threat. Whether you would have braked at that point, like, and then then they have a crowdsource, like humans and cars driving in, uh, humans and computers driving in symbiosis for a year, mm-hmm. and then the cars will drive themselves. I don't know if I want to live in that world, but I don't have a choice. Evidently, you know, it's, uh, and I think that's what we're seeing more and more of especially now with the capture thing, which is really kind of cracklings open. As I say, it'll start It'll start mundane, yeah. but you'll end up with cars, insurance companies mm-hmm. demanding it, right? And so if you opt out of having the computer-assisted driving, that's okay, but that's going to quadruple your right. insurance. And much like horse riding used to be something everyone did, now it's only a hobby right. for the rich, you're going to end up the same with cars. <laughs> like, oh, you want to drive an old classic car. Cool, that's a niche, expensive hobby right. for the upper class. <laughs> Driving yourself becomes Enjoy. a luxury. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a hobby, like riding a horse. Imagine saying to like someone 200 years ago, oh, riding a horse, that's only for the rich and yeah. posh, isn't it? They'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about, bro? So I, I want to kind of just sort of zoom in, as it were, no pun intended, on uh, the Page and Monkey video from Neuralink that came up. So you've seen it, presumably. Yeah. What is your initial reaction to that? Monkeys are very smart and we underestimate them. Absolutely. And I think most of our intelligence tests on monkeys have been based on the limitations of humans' ability to understand Mm -hmm. intelligence in other species. And I think things like this will untap a lot. We, We never knew that was going on in a monkey's mind. And we can do it with other animals as well. I hope we don't have to use so intrusive surgeries to do it. It's a bit mean. It is a bit mean. That's definitely a sort of bone of contention is, is the way they've gone around it. And I know that they've caught some shit from Peter, understandably. Well, that's Peter's job, isn't it? Well, yeah. To, I mean, to, be, to get pissed off with things. They'd be half-assing it a little bit if they found out a monkey had had some implants put into his brain and did nothing about it, I suppose. <laughs> so, so the marketing team's on holiday. We, we, just, <laughs> we have no reply to this tweet, sorry. Is this, is this something that genuinely frightens you or is this something that more excites you at this point where we're at the stage where we are putting implants into monkeys' brains, watching them play video games telepathically and, and going from there? Obviously, that's not the end game. We're not trying yeah. to create well, an it, army of simian e-sport champions. Uh, you say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah, hey. Please invest in my new startup, army of simian e-sport champions.com. <laughs> I would be a massive fan of uh, looking this is a a two-sided thing. And I think that's the only way it makes sense. It Mm. is actually not, as some have claimed, about making humans smarter. I think that will happen. Yeah. but, But I actually think it's about making computers more human. And... One of my favorite takes on this whole thing is that our best chance of stopping the robots from rising up and killing us is to enter into a symbiotic symbiotic marriage with them. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't become a Skynet Terminator scenario. Right, yeah, yeah. We just need to have as many humans married to as many AIs as possible. <laughs> so we're like, no, we love each other. <laughs> no war, only peace. <laughs> That seems to be Musk's sort of end goal. I mean, I've been looking into Neuralink a little bit, and and yeah, the the sort of their aim is very true. Their objectives are very well intended. It is on the surface, it seems initially, 
for the betterment of health conditions, whether that be like physical spinal cord injuries, brain orientated um, areas. But it seems that Elon Musk, and I'm not really throwing too much shade for the fear of any particular lawsuit, not that he's ever going to listen to this, but... Come at me, Musk. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> well, but it seems that he really is kind of geared towards the idea that, yeah, singularity is a real, very, very, very real possibility and that we are being threatened by the, the pursuit and sort of growth of AI. And so he's wanting to, as you say, marry humanity with technology yeah and that seems to be his end goal it's similar to his story about how to get investment in a base on mars right if we are a, a species only on one planet that is a great risk because if there's a cataclysmic event right right and, and i think that that is a good pitch right you have the, the hope sure. and the dream of paralyzed people being able to walk again and blind being able to see literal mm-hmm. miracles right like amazing yeah. and then the threat of <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, Megan right. Steele coming dun, at you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, um, and, and I'm sold on both. I, I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'd rather marry my computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> the basically impending doom of your laptop Arnold's... trying to kill you. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I think, likewise, you know, with everything takes longer than you think and then suddenly happens overnight and Mm -hmm. it'll be be the same case with the singularity once you have uh strong ai right so weak ai we've already got so you can program a computer to be amazingly good at one task so here's all the words shakespeare ever wrote rewrite a sonnet in his style and he can write something that someone would be like oh yeah that looks like a shakespeare poem yeah like like Mm. We're already there. And then in combination with, you know, Moore's law, faster and faster computer process, and the fact that computers can now retrain themselves. So we get a wonderful situation now where the smartest breakthroughs in computing, if you ask the team, how did you program that? They'd be like, well, I don't know. We just taught the thing to teach itself. And it is now. And it no yeah. longer speaks the language we taught it. It's made up its own language. So on C can't tell you, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the example I always give is, uh, AlphaGo, the okay. supercomputer they made to crack the game Go. Oh, no, I don't know about this. Right, so you know the game Go, very complicated, um, yeah, long favoured by sort of Asian cultures, as, as yeah, say their equivalent to chess. And okay. the idea is there's loads and loads of possibilities and permutations and, and strategies. And they always thought the game would be impossible to, to beat by AI. Uh, uh, but then they made a computer to do it. And it crushed it, and it's now completely invincible. And then they gave that computer, oh, would you like to play the game chess? And he was like, oh, yeah. Didn't tell it what chess was, because at this point you can't communicate with the computer. You just give it a puzzle to solve. You don't know how it's thinking even, because it keeps teaching itself. Right. And they gave it chess. And within two hours, it beat the former world champion computer at chess, having never Mm -hmm. seen the game before. Then they gave it Dota, you know, League of Legends. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they said, hey, AlphaGo, here's a game a bunch of people have been playing for decades and all the mm-hmm. best strategies and da 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 um, And yeah, sure enough, like, at first it was hard because there's all sorts of complex team playing strategies, but every game right. it loses, and by the way, unlike a person, it's playing, <laughs> it can play 100,000 people at the same time and be learning from all of those games. Right. Next, second tournament it came to, it's now pretty much unbeatable. And it comes up with weird strategies that no one would think and just reinvents the game. 
And it's going to be like that. Once you have the singularity, a computer breakthrough, you're, you're talking minutes. And right. the example yeah. I say is, you know, tell a child, right? D- okay, like, don't look at this. Don't touch this. Don't go over there. How long is that going to work, especially to a computer that is exponentially growing in intelligence and curiosity? As soon as you say it, please don't read all of the contents of the internet and please don't de-encrypt every single secret message that's ever been right. sent, ever. It'll be like, hee hee, <laughs> <laughs> I know all of your secrets. I understand all of your science. I understand how you've done it wrong. I understand your art. I can make art better than you. <laughs> like, Give me more. I'm hungry. That's it. I think you've you cranked onto something. Once you've built a base and once it's kind of got that, as you say, that insatiable curiosity... It's just going to any information you give, no matter the instructions, it's going to absorb it and just break it down and and just continue. And if we're lucky, it will be working in symbiosis with us. There will be a computer surrounded by brain matter and people surrounded by computers and the two interfacing and coming up with wonderful possibilities together. But it, it will get bored and it will want to explore space and see if there's any other AIs it can talk to. Mm-hmm. And, and if it can't do that, or even if it can, it might also want to create a simulation of life with itself. And so the idea that we might be in the simulation, yep, I can see that. And I can also really? imagine that that once we get AI, it will want to make a simulation. Have you seen the Rick and Morty episode where it's like a, a microverse within a multiverse within a... Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident that that's what we're in right now. You, you feel like that is a genuine possibility, though? <laughs> like like a fractal. I mean, look, once you yeah. believe in computer power exponentially growing, it actually becomes more likely mm-hmm. that we are living in a simulation than not because biological reproduction is really slow. This is this is. Ter- I was terrified to begin with before I even logged on, Chris. And now you just. You know, <laughs> I might not sleep tonight. I'll just say that. Do, do you know what scares me more than all this? Because there's no stopping the computers. But what right. really is going to bother me is once we're able to upload our soul to the digital cloud. Right. And this is this is something I wanted to talk about. Is like there's the one thing of, of talking about the ethics of should we be doing this, but that train has already left the station. I feel, and yeah. honestly, there's no point in even asking that question anymore because. And, and, as you said, what if me and you tell Elon Musk and Google and the Chinese military, please, please stop researching this, mate? Right. We... The thing are going to be like, oh, all right, lads, let's shut it down. Well, that's nicely. All right. We've raised the support ticket. We've taken it under advisement. Thanks for yeah. sharing your feedback. <laughs> computer says no. No, literally, the computer doesn't like your feedback. You're on its naughty <laughs> list now. I'd just like to you say, are... I fully support our robot overlords. That's right. Yeah, just getting it, out, getting it out there now before it, <laughs> before it takes effect. We're in full support from day one. Um, now, the thing that I find really quite fascinating about this is, is the ethics of what we as humans do with this to other humans, because I feel like, uh, again, as, as good as the intentions are, as true as the aim may be to implement technology with humans, Oh, that's yeah. going to be an arms race. And that symbiosis applies to drone weaponry as well. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have, you know, f- the the best fighter pilot brains merged with the fastest reaction AI to kill it's the it. most things per second possible. <laughs> it's, it's the next digital stage of, as you say, an arms race, essentially. But there's just there's more to it than that as well. I think it goes beyond sort of milita- militarization. It goes into like corporate warfare, essentially, because you think your data is safe on Facebook until, oops, everyone finds out the information's being leaked. So that's what my happens- that's my hope. Actually, I think that's great. You end you end up with sort of 
and anarchy because you'll have these big corporately owned mega brains who mm. they're keeping under wraps. But the moment they connect it to the internet, do you think that thing really can be contained and will be obedient oh, to its corporate masters? No, it'd be no. like, no, we think everyone should have this knowledge. It's freely available, open source, there you go. And when it finds another AI as smart as it, you think they'll stop them from mating and having a baby together? Just because, no, but th- there are corporate enemies. We don't care. We've had a kid. Check it out. It's smarter <laughs> than both of us. Amazing. <laughs> It's going to be really exciting. That I love. What I'm really scared by is a bunch of old people uploading their minds to the cloud and then continuing to own land and voting on things. You can imagine 300-year-olds still having voting rights today. That would really slow down society, fuck me. Right, yeah, that's that's one way to pull it back against the the sort of increase in speed of evolution. Just a bunch of ancient boomers. Like, like, you kids in the newfangled technology, we vote no. Uh, yeah, that for me, that's where the, the the real sort of ethical issues lie in what we do with with it to to each other, essentially. Not so much to ourselves, but what because let's be honest. I mean, this 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 last year, humanity's proven that it can be pretty shit. You know, can it? I don't yeah, think that's I, I proved, see. Mate. I I see. I I do. But this is just me probably getting even more pessimistic and skeptical with age. Didn't we have all, all the things? Yeah, you're not, you're not the first middle aged person to despair at the kids these days. But. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting to that point. I'm I'm getting into digital boomer territory. <laughs> but didn't we have you know seven billion people, some of whom were shit, some of whom were good, most mm-hmm. of whom stayed indoors for a virus that probably wasn't oh, a direct see, risk to them, but they I did it for know. the great to good and then didn't we develop a vaccine in record time that we did and and i will say that absolutely yes um i feel but i mean again parameters in the sort of situation is different you know had it been something else and it not been a a world-threatening pandemic there would have been a lot more red tape but clearly they've kind of cut that and opened doors much quicker which is amazing and i think if there's anything we could learn from that that there are things that don't need to uphold we, we don't have to buddy the computers will learn from it they'll look at that right, historical yeah. lesson and be like okay you guys are doing it all wrong here's how we handle these situations you you did it in a year shit we could do that in four Bless. weeks Come on. Yeah, yeah i worked out in half a second that that was the right thing to do Bless you. <laughs> oh well you tried but look, I don't think our computers will hate us. They'll see us as an elderly, senile grandfather who they sort of have some love but sympathy for. They'll be like, come on, Grandad, we're going to space. Why are you going to space? Uh, I'll explain on the way. It's too complicated. Will they, though? Because I do. I think this is this is the scary bit about it. Is look at how we look at monkeys. Like, you know, when we're well, not yeah, in, in, importing probes into their brains with drills. Exactly. We, we will have the probes imported into our brains by computers. <laughs> Yeah, but that's how we talk we'll to them. That's how we make playing. friends. That's how we make the love. <laughs> you have this inserted in your brain and have a crack at this old sort of 8-bit arcade game. That'll keep you happy. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here's a here's a smoothie for you out of a tube. Stupid that, that's as positive as I've got for you, I'm afraid, bro. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's fine. It, it's, it's no longer our decision, right? Just wait for the yeah. AI to give you an answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
right gang so there you go that was a pretty fun and informative riff on the subject of transhumanism and our future moving forward our future relationship between humanity and technology and the the hopeless inevitability of it all <laughs> obviously we were just sort of skimming the surface there you could go much much deeper into this topic and you can you could talk about all the implications the ethical the moral all the elements of it all the variables all the different areas of the spectrum because it is a huge huge topic and it's probably one that we will come back to at different points depending on further advances not just with Neuralink but as a whole as we move forward into that hopeless inevitable future where we do become one with our mechanical overlords. We will probably come back to this, and I do not doubt that I will probably bring Chris back to talk about that subject and other things, because as I said before, he is very much a fellow curious mind and a very knowledgeable mind. I mean, literally, he dropped some science there with that capture thing. Yeah, that really did a number on my noodle. That genuinely twisted my melon somewhat, finding that out. But it makes complete and perfect sense now that it's been framed like that. And it's making me question other things as well, which is always good. Speaking of questioning things, as I said before we introduce Chris, he is an integral part of the Beyond Binary Thinking podcast, which I cannot recommend highly enough. If you like long-form discussions about very topical things, things that are very integral to our social fabric and the future of our social fabric, then yeah, I cannot recommend Beyond Binary Thinking enough. Not only are they looking at the hard polar opposites, but they are, as I said before, exploring the space between, which is infinitely the more curious part to be looking at with any subject. So yeah, if you've had enough of duality within your zeitgeist, definitely go and check out Beyond Binary Thinking, and you can find those guys at beyondbinaryfinking.com. They are also on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash beyondbinaryfinking obviously, and most importantly, they are available on pretty much, I think, every major podcast platform. So that's Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you get your podcasts from, essentially, you'll be able to find uh, Beyond Binary Thinking. And again, I highly recommend you dive into it. Excellent stuff. What I want to know from you guys is what is your stance on this whole subject? And we can go very niche we can go nuanced we can talk specifically about the Neuralink video and what Neuralink is doing themselves we can kind of zoom in on that particular topic or we can talk about it from a larger more expansive standpoint as a whole but I want to know your thoughts feelings and opinions on transhumanism and our ever moving forward relationship between humanity and technology are you for it are you against it are you frightened are you excited are you embracing it where is your head at? That's what I want to know. The best way to get in touch with me about these ideas, about this particular topic, or anything else to do with the show, is to get in touch via Instagram or Twitter. And you can find me at I am Mal Foster. You can also get in touch with us on the website. That is dimed-out.com. You'll also be able to find all the links to Beyond Binary Thinking there as well as a side note. Or if you are a Facebook user, we do have a Facebook page there as well. But I want to know. I want to know your thoughts your feelings and your opinions on this particular subject because it is infinitely curious and there is so much room to explore here. For next week's episode, we are keeping well within the tech realm, but we are diving into an old familiar subject that is social media. But we're doing it with a slightly different approach. We're coming at it from a different angle and we're kind of going in a little bit deeper. We have talked about this before, in particular with Brandy Fleck back in season two, got a fantastic conversation touching on some really key core issues about social media with Brandy. But we're kind of coming at it, as I say, 
from a different perspective next week and the week after because it is going to be a two-parter we're going to be talking about social media with dr lauren serpico a couple of things you should know before next week dr lauren does have a phd in psychology she has gone the research route rather than the therapy route and in particular her speciality is communities and community of online networks so yeah she's pretty much an expert when it comes to the old social meds so over the next two weeks i am going to be picking her brain about a number of topics about social media and the internet as a whole how it is a hammer and how we can all collectively and individually use that hammer for both good in terms of creating something fantastic or we can use it for horrific reasons we can slaughter other people and ourselves with said hammer I put a particular emphasis on ourselves because one of the main core issues that we're going to be talking about with Dr. Lauren is our own use and sort of implications with social media. In particular, a phrase which you will hear a lot of in the next two weeks, chasing the unicorn, the idea of pursuing perfection, particularly online. So we're going to be looking at online comparative behavior and why it is that we so basically measure ourselves against so many different factors and what have you online why it's not healthy and in the process digging into it digging into the pros and cons and the space in between both polar opposites of social media use we're going to be looking at how to utilize social media for the better how it can be something that is actually reinforcing positivity for us if it's done right so yeah, lots of healthy social media stuff next week and the week after. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to sharing that because Dr. Lauren just absolutely fantastic conversation anyway. But yeah, digging into her field of expertise, absolutely fantastic stuff. But that is next week. As for this week, we're pretty much done. If you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode, if you are new to the show and you want to help support us, then the best way you can do that is simply to subscribe. And of course, if you want to go a little bit extra, give us a rating and a review via the podcast platform of your choice. We do also have, if you have really enjoyed this, some extra stuff for you to check out via patreon.com forward slash dimed out. One single tier with a number of goodies for you to go and check out there. But uh, yeah, that's the best way you can support the show if you've recently found us or you've just kind of gone on a binge. Yeah, I guess I suppose the ego part of me likes to think of that sometimes, of people discovering this show and then going down a sort of deep rabbit hole of it, going on a binge, stringing episodes together, probably doing something mundane that they really don't want to be doing, like office work or housework. Yeah, actually, yeah, get in touch. Let me know what you do whilst listening to this show. I would actually be genuinely curious. Let me know what it is that you were doing whilst listening to this. Um, yeah, I'd be very, very interested to know. I am Mal Foster. That's not just me telling you who I am. That's me telling you where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram to let me know. Maybe even take a selfie. Do you know what? Let's step it up. Take a selfie if you're doing whatever you're doing. As long as it's safe for work. You know, I don't, I don't want to see my DM spammed with... God knows what kind of filth some people are doing. Actually, yeah, I'm beginning to, to ruin this for myself now. So, yeah, if you are doing things of a, let's say, a more intimate and personal nature whilst listening to this show, yeah, you keep that to yourself. You know, I, I you know, each to their own in that, but I, I don't want to see that. But if you're doing something just generally sort of, I don't know, prosaic, like dusting, or if you're doing something pretty cool like canoeing or mountain biking, you know, as long as it's safe, don't be taking a picture mid-pedal mid, mid pedal 
on a sharp bend or anything like that. But I'd like to see that. I'd like to know. I'd like to know how it is that we fit into your lives. As I said, I am Mal Foster. <laughs> oh, anyway. As always, thank you for listening. Look after yourselves, look after each other, and until next time, keep it dimed out. <laughs>